we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we can face tomorrow. We can face all the uncertainties because you live. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we love the word of God so much here at this church. Lord, it establishes our doctrine. And Lord, we look to it. We seek answers out of it this morning. And Lord, I pray that the youngest amongst us, all the way up to the eldest, would be able to perceive and understand the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What a day that'll be, right? I, I can't wait. Now, this morning, I'm really hoping that I don't botch this up, okay? Uh, sometimes some stuff can be a little bit tricky, and this is kind of one of those ones that are a little bit tricky. So I need everyone to turn your thinking caps on, um, try to give your best attention that you can. I don't want anything to be misconstrued or misunderstood. Uh, so just please bear with me. And we're going to kind of look at the Word of God. The Lord actually dropped this into my heart a good while ago. Um, but I, you know, there's a lot of timing issues to certain things. And, and I, I thought the timing was off. I just didn't feel like the, the time was right. I felt like God missed, not that God missed it, but I was saying, Lord, it's like the timing's weird on this. But as it turns out, things have kind of come back around. So it looks like God does know what he's doing when it comes to timing. And you, you'll understand more of what I mean when I, I start preaching this sermon. Uh, how many of you know that the Bible addresses some very, very complex issues in life? It, it addresses all the complicated issues in life. There, there is an answer for it. Now, some are easy to find and some are not so easy to find. Some answers are very easy. You can point them out. And others, you have to do some searching. Um, this is one of those complex issues, and I pray and hope that you can receive this this morning, because I believe the Lord wants to deal with this today. Um, it's found in the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Romans. Now, before we proceed, uh, please remember many times, most of the time, I would say, when, when reading the Bible, you can't necessarily have just tunnel vision. You know, you have to have, you have to exercise some peripheral vision so that you can understand all of it and get a little bit of context before and afterwards, as well as with what you're dealing with. And it kind of helps to explain the whole entire problem. And then you can start understanding and seeing things a little bit more. I have preached this many a times that understanding context is very important in the Bible. I've said it many times from the pulpit. I'm saying it again. Understand the context of what you are reading. And we really need to establish some of that this morning. So what, what is Paul's epistle to the Romans? Well, obviously, Paul is the author. Okay, Paul is the writer. The apostle Paul is the writer. He's writing to the Christians in the city of Rome. Okay, now give or take, just as a timeline, this is probably 20 years or so, give or take, after Christ has ascended. Okay, you remember Christ is crucified, buried, resurrects, he appears to the disciples, he appears to 500 different people, all the witnesses, and then he gives the great commission and he goes up to heaven to prepare a place for us. Okay, so 20 years or so after that event, 
Here Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome. Okay? If you can imagine the time, Christianity is growing by leaps and bounds. Okay? It's all kind of people are getting saved. Maybe you're familiar a little bit with the book of Acts. It, it says that daily many were added to the kingdom of God. So on a, on a uh, day-to-day basis, there's more and more people coming to Christianity and getting saved. There's lots of churches being established. Um, think about the region of Asia Minor or what's modern-day Turkey now. All in those areas, there's Christians popping up all over the place. There's churches popping up. There's even some little home churches popping up where they didn't have a building. So all this is going on, okay? Now, Paul, the author, who you might remember used to be Saul, he used to persecute the early Christians because he was a, one of those devout Jews, and he didn't like anything that he thought was divergent from Judaism. So he would persecute all those early Christians. But now Paul, we're going to skip a lot of his story, he is now one of the main leaders in what is known as the apostolic age. Okay, the, the apostolic age is from Christ's ascension, really, 33 AD, around there, up until about the year 100 AD. That's kind of the apostolic age. That's the age where the apostles and the disciples went through and helped to establish Christianity, all the new churches and so on and so forth. That's the apostolic age. Well, Paul, I know this is a lot of information, but like I said, you got to turn your thinking caps on this morning. Paul, being one of those early church leaders or being an apostle he was, he would travel around on all these missionary trips, okay? He would travel from here to here to here, and, and he would preach Christ, and he would clarify doctrine, now remember, this is the time when the church is establishing itself. And there could have been some people, they didn't, they didn't have the ability to communicate like we do. You know, if someone has a question nowadays, I'll just shoot a text over to Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe can clarify that. It doesn't matter if you're in California, 2,000 miles away. We can instantaneously clarify things. Back then, they couldn't. So if you can imagine the Apostle Paul in the early days of Christianity, 20, a couple decades after Christ has risen, the Gospels are being Uh, circulated even orally in written format so there could be in the the early days of church there could be some dissension or some disputing going on because it was all new the new testament church it was all new back then so the apostle paul would travel all around he would clarify he would correct he would write letters to certain places which make up the bulk of the new testament all the epistles in the new testament paul's responsible for many of those things he would clarify doctrines on all of his stops he would say no no, no you're off a little bit on this let me clarify or he would say no you're you're getting back into what you just came out of stop doing that and that's what the apostle paul would do And remember, like I said, this is during the early development of all these churches. There were new churches springing up everywhere. There was new converts all over the place. And how many of you would agree that whenever there's a new convert or someone converts to Christianity, that's one of the most vulnerable times when the enemy comes to attack that person. And when you have all these churches being established, the enemy didn't want those churches to be. He wanted to ruin them and and sow some type of discord or sow false doctrines or, or... erroneous beliefs into those and apostle paul and as well as the other apostles would combat all of those things so someone had to make sure they weren't deviating from the gospel teachings so the apostle paul he would write epistles and letters to churches and clarify things you know and all those letters 
all those epistles that historians actually can authenticate make up the New Testament. It's kind of how we got the New Testament. If we know that Paul wrote it and some of the other authors, then we canonize them as the New Testament. Now, Romans is one of them, okay? Paul, remember the author's Paul. He's writing to the newer churches in Rome, the newer Christians, new converts in Rome, all right? So we're going to start out in Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, you know that most of Paul's writings, he would always have a little uh, a greeting. He would kind of say, you know, I, Paul, the, the prisoner of Christ, or I, Paul, the, uh, the apostle, whatever his greeting was. And he would kind of say a few scriptures and, you know, give thanks for this or that. Well, then you get to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. This is after Paul's kind of opening greeting, and this tells us who he's writing to. It says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the letter, or the, the epistle of Romans is written to all the Christian people in Rome. Okay? Now, what was Rome? Rome was the epicenter of the Roman Empire. So you have to imagine Rome... They actually believed that there were millions of people living in Rome at that time, even way back then. So there's a whole lot of people living in Rome. And to be honest, yes, technology changes, but it wasn't a whole lot different than the big cities that we see today. It was like any major city, very culturally diverse, lots of different kinds of people with lots of different backgrounds. And that's what Rome was. Uh, you go to one of our major cities today, and you're likely to see People with different colors, people look a little bit different, people with different backgrounds, different people groups. You'll see those in our, our major cities today. I used to have a brother that I liked to visit when he lived in Los Angeles. I used to like to visit there because you could get some really good, authentic food. You know, stuff that us here in a little more rural area, we can't get. So I'd visit him and I could get all kinds of neat food because it was a big city. In big cities, you get lots of different cultures. Lots of different backgrounds, and you can get some neat food and stuff like that. That's how Rome was. Consisted of all kinds of people with all different backgrounds, all different cultures. Okay, and remember now, so this is Rome. We're talking about the early church age. Churches are springing up all over, home churches. Around this time, Paul is, is charged, and you can read about this in Acts and Ephesians and so on and so forth. Paul is charged to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Okay, so now, not only do you have all these churches springing up all over where there never was before, and you really, you have a new theology with Christianity, now you have other people, Gentiles. So now you're taking in all these people with all kinds of different backgrounds. Okay, are you following me still? All kinds of Gentiles are getting saved when the word of God was made available to everyone. I actually I preached about that a couple of a few months ago, if you remember. So now, this Christian church consists of all kinds of multicultural backgrounds, okay? And then, you take all these different kinds of people and you say, go to church together now. Well, when you take all kinds of different people with all kinds of different backgrounds all kinds of different views, raised differently, taught a little bit differently, mom and dad did things a little bit different, culture was a little bit different. 
And then you say, okay, go to church now. What do you think happens? Problems start happening. Disputing starts happening. Now, if you think about it, there were Jews that were converting to Christianity. There were Romans that were converting to Christianity. There were Greeks converting to Christianity. There was all kinds of different people from Asia converting to Christianity. So you have all these different backgrounds, all these different cultures now falling under the umbrella of the New Testament church. So now, now we're starting to establish some background and some context for what we're getting, getting ready to read here in a little bit. Well, when you bring all those different kinds of people and you bring them all together and you say, oh, now you guys go to church together. Oh, now you guys are one big happy family. What happens is you start noticing, hey, uh, his skin color is different than mine. Hey, her, her eyes are shaped differently than mine are. Hey, you talk a little bit differently than me. That's what we start doing, right? We start saying, hey, you're different. You, you talk different. You speak different. I don't like how you do things. Well, I don't like how you do things. Well, you're doing it wrong because I was taught this. Well, I was taught this. When she said, that's what happens when you take all those people and you start putting them together. Well, we've always done it this way. Well, I've always done it this way. Well, then you're wrong. No, sir, I'm right. Do I'm, yeah. you see what I'm saying? There were Jewish Christians that observed the Sabbath day. Matter of fact, they believe staunchly in the Sabbath day. They actually believed you could be put to death if you did things on the Sabbath day. And now some of them are converting to Christianity and they're showing up to church and there's other people that the Sabbath doesn't mean anything to them and they're showing up to church and then the ones that believe you need to observe the Sabbath, they're observing these people who don't care about the Sabbath and they're saying, I ain't worried about the Sabbath. You can do what you want. And then they start pointing at each other saying, oh, you're a no good rotten bum because you don't observe the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath don't mean anything to me. I don't care what you say about the Sabbath. Do you see what was going on here? The, the Sabbath didn't mean anything to the Roman Christians, to the new converts then. That, that wasn't their background. That wasn't their culture. Mom and dad didn't teach them that. They're not worried about the Sabbath day. There were all kinds of little things. The, the circumcision the, the Jewish people believed in. Now they convert to Christianity. They're seeing these other people. They don't practice circumcision. Well, you're no good. You need to do this. Oh, I don't care about that. I ain't, that wasn't my, that's not what I'm raised in. So there was, began to be fighting back and forth. There were Jewish Christians that ate kosher foods, only certain types of foods. That, that was what they were raised with. That's what they were taught. You cannot eat these type of food. They're not good for you. And that was their background. And then you say, hey, um, now you go to church with these people. Kosher foods don't mean anything to them. They don't care. If they want to eat whatever they eat, they're going to eat whatever they want to eat. That's what they've been taught all their lives. The kosher food thing didn't mean anything to the new Greek Christians. What, what are you talking about? I ain't worried about what I eat. If they wanted some seafood, they went and got seafood. If they wanted some pork, they went and got some pork. And then the people that said, hey, those things aren't good. That's bad. You're no good. You're doing bad. You're wrong. And then these people were on this side saying, what are you talking about? These, I always eat these. Man, you are no good. I don't care what. And it just it led to fighting. Now, they were all supposed to be united as one under Christ's church. But here they are. that They're observing each other and saying, well, you shouldn't be doing that. And then a the group over here is going, well, I don't care what you say. You shouldn't be doing that. They 
observed each other doing things contrary to what their cultural background taught them. And they started pointing at each other saying, oh, that ain't any good, you can't do that. And disputes broke out. Fighting broke out in, within the church. You're no good. Well, you're no good. You should do this, so you should do that. Disputing arose. Now, you can only imagine what they would fight about. Maybe the Gentile Christians, the, the non-Jewish converts, maybe they were poking fun at the Jewish ones, saying, ah, look at me, I, I can eat bacon, or I can do whatever I want, and you can. And they were saying, oh, that's bad. It was just all this foolish disputing that was going on, picking at each other, nitpicking each other. You're bad for this. Well, you're bad for that. You shouldn't do this. You should do that. Disputings arose. One sect thought the other was no good because they didn't eat certain things, and the other sect thought the other group was terrible because they did eat certain things. Just all kinds of goofy stuff. Next thing you know, they're hurling accusations at one another. Well, you ain't even saved. Well, you're not even a Christian. Well, you can't do this. Well, you can't do that. And that's what's going on. It's petty, isn't it, church? Very petty. Before you agree too much, I would say that we haven't advanced at all in centuries since this goofy stuff happened. We have not advanced at all. We still do the same petty thing. You ain't even saved because you do this. Well, you ain't even saved because you do that. We do the same thing. This, brothers and sisters, this is why the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write the 14th chapter of the book of Romans, which we'll look at now. Okay, so Romans chapter 14. Now remember everything that I just said. I know that was a big mouthful, but I warned you, you got to turn your thinking caps on. So you got a lot of background. You know what Romans is. You know the time frame. You know what things are going on. You know the foolish disputing, the accusations that they're hurling, the fighting, the, the multicultural backgrounds, the different people that never really associated with one another. Now they all go to church to one, with one another. Now they're all under the umbrella of the New Testament church. Now they're supposed to be Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul needs to clarify some things. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Now I'm going to read this in the New King, King James Version um, I like the King James, but it's a little tricky to read in the King James. So I'm actually going to read it in the New King James. Might even read some in the New Living Translation. Verse 1 says this. Receive one. Remember our background now. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Verse 2 says, For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Let, let's clarify even a little further and look at the New Living Translation of those first three verses. Back to Romans 14, verse 1 says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith, and do, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. 
Verse 3 says, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. The, the Apostle Paul is saying, stop with the foolish disputing. Stop, this is all nonsense. Quit. Don't do it anymore. He's saying, if these people's conscience is telling them to abstain from meat, then leave them alone. Let them abstain from meat. If you eat meat and it doesn't bother your conscience, by all means, eat you some meat. It's very simple. Paul has to come and clarify these very simple things. He says, just don't pick a fight over it. If, if meat is okay with you, eat it with a clean conscience. But don't beat up the poor guy over here whose conscience tells him he shouldn't eat meat. Clarify all this, Paul says in chapter 14 of Romans. It's all foolishness. If you love steak and you receive it with thanksgiving, then eat up, brothers and sisters. But don't dispute with the people who feel that they shouldn't eat a big steak. Quit, don't club them over the head and say, you're no good and you are bad because you don't do things just like I do. And vice versa, those that don't eat steak and feel that they shouldn't. You can't club those who do over the head. That the people, we have to realize, people were given a different measure of faith. They may have been given a different measure of faith than you and their conscience tells them not to eat it. That is okay. It is entirely possible that someone else might think slightly different than you do. It's entirely possible that someone might think differently than you do and still be a Christian and still be saved. I know sometimes, man, this is going to sound arrogant, but I think I suffer from that disease. I do. If you don't do things exactly like Jason D thinks, you're wrong. That's arrogant. Listen, it, it, it doesn't mean that those that refuse to eat meat are going to burn in hell. That, that's, how, that's how polarized we get nowadays. Nor does it mean that the ones that do eat it are eating damnation to themselves. That, that is how we get. It's, it's so, so polarized. Everything is so polarized nowadays that if, if you feel you, you should eat meat, we look at the other, you ain't even saved. You're practically satanic. The ones over here say the same thing. Well, you're satanic because you do. Apostle Paul saying, stop. This is foolish disputing. Stop it. You're fighting over non-issues. You're making mountains out of molehills. Paul's saying, stop pointing at each other. Quit it. Romans chapter 14, verse 5. This is in the New King James. It says, one person esteems one day above the other. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord for he gives thanks to God and he who does not eat to the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks let's let's read that in the new living in the same way some think one day is more holy than another while others think every day is alike you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him and those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks. 
You see the, the pettiness that we fall into that the Apostle Paul is clarifying here through the Holy Spirit. If a certain day is special to you, that's fine. Quit clubbing this guy over here who doesn't think just like you, and he doesn't think that day is super special. Each, each and every one of us in this congregation this morning probably slightly varies a little bit in the way that we observe Christmas and all kinds of other holidays. We do it a little bit differently. Maybe you wake up first thing in the morning and, and you tear presents open. Or maybe you wake up and you don't. You sit down and have a nice breakfast together. That does not mean to point at each other and say, well, you ain't no good because you should be doing it this way. The Apostle Paul has to clarify these petty, goofy little things. You might think this stuff is all petty, but this is what we do. We create factions amongst each other. We create cliques. And if you don't fit into everything that I think, you don't see things completely from my perspective, then you can't be in my clique. Well, you don't see things from my perspective, so you stay out of my clique. I got my own clique. And we create these factions inside of the church. I believe one of the enemy's favorite weapons and most successful weapons that he has is division. He caused division amongst us. Now all this is especially so when you get all kinds of people from different backgrounds. We, we find differences in one another and we come to the conclusion they are a bad person. They are no good. Paul is saying... All these goofy things you're fighting over are non-issues. It's a non-issue. What are you fighting about it for? Romans 14 verse 12 says, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to putting a stumbling block or causing to fall in our in our brother's way. Well, let's, let's read a few verses in the New Living. Go back to verse 12. It says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or, and fall. I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. God has given us a mysterious thing in each and every one of us called a conscience. And Apostle Paul is saying on these minor issues, on these non-salvation issues, listen to your conscience. It's very easy. Apostle Paul is saying don't use the fact that you do eat meat to condemn someone else. Don't cause him to stumble. If you are one of those ones that observes a certain day more than the other, and this person over here doesn't, you can't cause that person to stumble and say, you are a no good bum and you need to change your ways or go to another church or, or get out of here. Apostle Paul says, stop, stop with that. You could cause someone who's weaker in faith to stumble and fall away. Stop it, he's saying. It's pretty much what he says for the rest of the chapter if you don't feel convicted about eating certain foods that's okay but don't use that to beat on the person that does they may have a different measure of faith than you leave them alone let them eat what they want 
There are other people with different backgrounds that may not feel right about certain things. There are other brothers and sisters that may have been given a greater or lesser amount of faith. There are other brothers and sisters that may have been raised differently than you. Listen, we are all God's family and we have to learn to love one another. Do you, do you remember, brothers and sisters, there was actually someone that asked the Lord what the greatest commandment in Scripture was. They asked Christ that. What did he tell them? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He, he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The, the, that's what the kingdom of God hinges on. Loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. You mean, even if my neighbor's got different skin color than me? Yep, love him as yourself. You mean, even if he eats different foods than me? Yep, love him just like yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul's saying it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Roman, or Greek. You are commanded to love one another. In the book of Galatians, you can read that. We won't turn there. But the Apostle Paul even goes so far to say there is no such thing as Greek or Roman or Jew or Gentile or even male and female. We're all one in Christ. Stop creating these factions and dividing yourselves. Stop saying, well, this group belongs over here and that group belongs over here. And this group, they belong over there. We love to segregate ourselves. We love to say, well, this group of people and that group of people. It doesn't matter. This new hope, the, all these things that we talked about this far, this morning, they're all called preferences. They're preferences. You, you prefer to eat meat? You don't prefer to eat meat. You prefer to observe a certain day? You don't prefer to observe a certain... It's just a preference. Observing certain days over others, eating, eating or abstaining from certain foods, they're all just preferences. It's just a preference. There are not heretical beliefs if someone has a different preference than you. They do not mean that person needs rebuked and cast out of the church if someone has a different preference than you. That's what we like to do. Well, you don't belong here if you don't see things exactly like me. Listen, if, if a, a man is convicted that comes here to New Hope and he feels convicted that he should wear a shirt and a tie then that man should wear a shirt and a tie. But he can't club the guy that does not feel convicted to wear a shirt and a tie to church. Apostle Paul saying those are preference issues. They're preferences. The guy that wears the tie can't look at the guy that doesn't have the tie and say, you ain't even saved. And it's, it's petty, but that's what we do. We find things. Well, I, I've noticed that he doesn't wear no shirt and tie all the time. It, it's preferences. It's a preference issue. The man that doesn't wear a shirt and tie does not need rebuked and cast out of the church. That's how polarized we get. Listen to me now. If a woman prefers to, prefers to wear pants instead of a dress, it's just a preference. It's a preference. She prefers to wear pants, and this one over here prefers to wear a dress. It's a preference issue. It is a non-salvation issue. The one with the dress can't look at the one without the dress and say, 
you ain't even saved. The one that wears the pants can't look at the one with dress and say, oh, well, you ain't even saved. It's just a preference issue. These are non-salvation issues. These are what Apostle Paul referred to as disputes over doubtful things. And boy, we love to do it. We love to point at someone else. Mm-mm-mm. She wore church. She wore pants. That's two weeks in a row she's wore pants and ain't worn no dress. Some of these people were raised differently. Some of these people have different backgrounds, different cultures. And the, all of these people have different preferences. Listen now, we have white-collar workers in this church. We have blue-collar workers in this church. We have some people in this church that are highly educated. We have some people that may be barely educated in this church. We have some hillbillies. We have some city folks. You have all kinds of different kinds of people with different backgrounds. They may just see things slightly different than you. Hopefully, Pastor Joe doesn't come unglued on this part, but... There are some people that cut their spaghetti. There are some people that twirl their spaghetti. Despite what Pastor Joe might say, it is not heretical to cut your spaghetti. I know some people cut their spaghetti. He feels that way because he was raised that way. You twirl it. It's not right to cut it. Do you understand the pettiness of some of these goofy things? Well, you twirl? You, you cut yours? You ain't even saved. Who do you eat dinner with? Lucifer himself? (laughs) They're all preference issues. It's just preferences. I prefer to cut mine. Well, I prefer to twirl mine. Guess what? We can both be saved. We can both be Christians. We can both go to heaven. We can both love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we got to love each other. Those blue-collar workers got to love the white-collars. The white-collars got to love the blue-collars. The, the city folks, y'all learn to love the hillbillies. The hillbillies, you got to love the city folks. You have to. You're brothers and sisters now. There are no stipulations that say, well, the, the country folks, they, they shouldn't hang out with the city folks. The city folks should. We're the family of God. We are the family of God. And the Lord Jesus says, and then the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love them just like they was you. Now, we got to clarify. And here's where things can be tricky. Does this then mean I can wear whatever incarnation that I want? Maybe we may have a, a lady here this morning who's particularly proud of the way that she looks. And she may prefer to wear a bikini in here this morning to show off the merchandise. Maybe there's a guy in here who really thinks he has a great physique and he wants to put on some Speedos to come into church. I don't know, we laugh at certain things like this, but maybe they prefer to wear that. Is that what you're saying there, Jason? Is that what you're preaching? You can wear whatever in the world you prefer? No, you cannot wear those types of things. Why? Because that crosses the line that is not a preference. It's called immodesty. We have rules about dressing modestly. Read about them in Timothy. We are to dress modestly. So you cannot prefer a bikini or, or certain goofy things like that. Do you you see the difference now? There are things that are acceptable that can be preferences. But then you can cross the line to where it's no longer a preference. We have written doctrine about that that says you cannot cross that line. That's no longer a preference. We have rules about that. 
the Bible teaches us to dress modestly on, on the issue, now hear me now, on the issue of preferences, there's a little bit of wiggle room. There is. You, you want to wear pants? That's fine. You want to wear a shirt and a tie? That's fine. You don't want to wear a tie. We got a little wiggle room? That's fine. You don't want to wear a dress? You want to wear pants? That's fine. We got some wiggle room on those preferences. Both of them, whatever they prefer, they can still be saved to be Christians and go to church together and love one another. But on some things, there is no wiggle room. If someone would come into New Hope this morning and they would say, well, Pastor, I believe that, I, I think that there are other names by which men can be saved beside Jesus. Then we got to say, wait a minute. I don't care what you prefer about that. There is no wiggle room on that. That's not a preference issue. That's a truth claim. That is a truth claim and that is an untruth. Therefore, that's not a preference. We cannot say, okay, this man prefers that only Jesus can say, but this man over here prefers that you can be saved by all kinds of different names. That's not a preference issue. Do you see the difference between the two? To, to say that there's salvation in other names is heresy. It crosses the line. It goes into heresy. It's heretical. And we can't have that. That's a direct violation of Scripture. We can't budge on that one. There's no wiggle room there. No wiggle room on the deity of Jesus Christ. But on all the other little goofy little issues, there is some. Do, do you see, brothers and sisters, how Romans 14 alludes to the fact that there are some issues that are preferential and there are some other issues that are not preferential? Now, why, why preach this this morning? Well, here's where I think, hope things don't get too crazy. I can think of a few things that the church has faced recently and that the church will face again in the future that have caused division and disputes, okay? Because the devil loves to divide he would love to ruin New Hope Church. He would. He'd love to ruin as many churches as he could. How about masks? Ooh. Masks. We, we hear talk of masks coming back around, don't we? We're hearing, you know, maybe there's going to be some more mandates, this and that. Let's, before you get up and run out and don't even listen, just hang on just a minute. Let's take Romans chapter 14 and apply it to the issue of masks, okay? Listen to me now. Masks, it's a preference issue. I'm sorry. I know that some people can feel very strongly about whatever way. It's a preference issue. If you prefer one, that's fine. If you don't prefer one, that's fine. It is a preference issue when it comes to the kingdom of God. If you prefer masks and you're over here and you prefer them, you can't look at the people that don't prefer them and say they are evil, they're no good, they ain't even saved. If you do not want a mask and you don't like to wear them, you can't look at the ones that do and say, well, they're no good. They're no good. They should have no mask on. It's a preference issue. They don't need expelled from the church. It's a non-salvation issue. There's a little bit of wiggle room in the kingdom of God when it comes to masks. 
There's a little bit of wiggle room. You, it is possible for you to come to church wearing a mask and be a born-again Christian. It is also possible for you to come to church not wearing a mask and be a born-again Christian. I told someone a long time ago, I don't care if you come dressed in a space suit with a breathing scuba apparatus on you. I'll say, hey, brother, how you doing, man? Have a seat. I hope you like the service. Does not matter to me. Those are not salvation issues. They're preferences. It's just a preference. I know that we can feel very strongly about our preferences, and maybe there's even someone right now thinking of an argument in their mind. Well, after the service, I'm going to let him have it because he said, it's just a preference. Let me remind you that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That person that doesn't want to wear a mask is your brother or your sister in Christ. The person that does wear a mask is your brother and your sister in Christ. You got to love them. And those people, they got to love you. You got to find a way to get along together. You got to love one another. Listen now. We're going to apply Romans 14 even further. If your conscience tells you you should be wearing a mask, you need to obey that and wear your mask. You better be convinced of it and obey it. But don't judge on him that doesn't feel it in his conscience to wear it. Do you see how the Bible attacks these very complicated issues? To, to those that do wear masks, to those that don't wear masks, Despite how you feel, for God has received them both, the Bible says. We cannot let these petty issues divide us. Do you know that there's churches who've been divided over that issue? Divided. Here at New Hope, our stance has been we respect the individual's decision. If you want to wear one, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. That's where, brothers and sisters, I'll say this in front of everyone. There's no way in the nine worlds I'm going to post on the glass doors of this church where people enter a list of criteria you need to meet before you come in nope I ain't going to do it because I'm not answering to God why did you post this before you could enter my building I'm not going to do it before God I'm not so listen church in the next few months you know because you hear a lot of this talk going on if you feel convicted to wear a mask here at New Hope, please feel welcome to do so. If you don't, you don't. We can't let these things divide us. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Listen to this now. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Church, we're commanded to build each other up, not tear each other down. Well, you don't do this. You're no good. Well, I ain't hanging out with you then. We're, we're commanded to edify, to sow good things into each other, to build one another up. We're the family of God, not to nitpick it on each other. Now, lastly, I'll bring this to a close soon. Uh, this is a big one that I see causing tremendous division in our nation and even in some churches. How about this? Vaccine. Ooh, someone's probably ready to throw something at me already. L listen, church. There are people that got the vaccine. There are people that won't get the vaccine. And some of them go to the same church. 
Some of them live in the same home even. Listen, it's a preference issue. It's a preference. There's a little wiggle room on it. There's a little wiggle room on this one. It's prefer- it is not a salvation issue. If you didn't get the vaccine and you, you feel a little uncomfortable about it and you just don't trust it or whatever your reasoning might be from your background and what you were taught and whatever it is, you can still be saved. However, if you're over here and you think, you gotta be crazy not to get the vaccine. You need to get the vaccine. It, it, because of their background, the way they were taught, maybe they see things a little bit different. Guess what? That person can still be saved. It's a preference issue. I know that we feel very strongly about these things. People that don't want the vaccine, they're not heretics. People that got the vaccine and are pro-vaccine have not went ap- uh, apostate. People have different backgrounds and tendencies and we all must recognize that each individual can make their own choice about the vaccine. We have to learn to mutually respect one another. Uh, I, don't, I don't want the vaccine. I just don't. Okay, well, I do. I respect that. Well, okay, I respect yours. Can we be brothers in Christ? Yes, amen. If you got the vaccine, you can't club those over the head that don't want it. If you didn't get the vaccine, you can't use that as leverage to cause them that did get it to stumble. For God has received them both. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you know what what Paul is saying there? He's saying all these little issues... All these little preference issues. He's saying the kingdom of God transcends all of those goofy little things. Those are all just preferences. You prefer this or she prefers that. He prefers this, he prefers that. If, the, if I can ask the band to make their way back, please. Listen, the kingdom of God does not hinge on what you eat or the certain days that you observe, or certain days that you esteem over others. It does not hinge on those preference issues. It does not. It does not hinge on whether you wear a mask or not. No, it doesn't hinge on that. But the kingdom of God does hinge on the fact that you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the important part. It does hinge on that. All the laws, all the prophets hinge on those two things there that Christ told us. Listen, Dresses, preference, kingdom of God doesn't hinge on that. Suits and ties, the kingdom of God doesn't hinge on that. There are certain music types. Whether you like southern gospel, some of us in here do. Contemporary worship, some of us like hymns only. Some of us like Christian rock. Others say, oh, I don't like no Christian. They're all preference issues. They're just preferences. Here's a big one. Version of the Bible. Which one do you read? Oh, you don't read the King James? You're nearly satanic then. You read the New American Standard? Oh, 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 Pastor Joe doesn't find out about that. It's just a preference issue. It's just a preference. Whether you read the New King James, the NIV, the NAS, or the ASV, or whatever in the world. Now, there are a handful that I do think are no good. (laughs) That's my preference. 
Now, I do, I do prefer the King James. Most of you know that. I prefer the King James. But if you don't and you prefer the NIV, I use those very much too. Every time I get to something I can't completely understand, I turn to another version of the Bible and see if I can get some clarity. I read several versions of it so I can get some clarity. Because if you read all those, you can kind of understand some things a little better. They're just preference issues. It's just a preference We have to learn that we can't destroy each other with our preferences. They're just a preference. When you stand before God, he'll check to see if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what he's going to check and see. He he, he checks to see if your name's written in there, and then he doesn't, he's not going to say, okay, did he wear a mask though? He didn't. Sorry, no deal. Your name's in there, but no deal. We're going to have to turn you. He's not going to check and see, well, uh, what version of the Bible did you read? Oh, NIV? No can do, no can do. Your name's written in there or it's not written in there. He's not going to check to see. He's not going to check your vaccination records. These are preference issues. They're preference issues. Church, let's stand. And I'll encourage you one last time we're going to go to worship. Don't let preferential issues divide us. You can see these things coming back upon us. And lots of people were very polarized and make really outlandish, rash statements. Don't let them divide us. They're preference issues. Someone may think just a little bit differently than you on some of these preference things. Amen? Amen. Let's worship one last time.